Let them leave you up in the air. Let them brush your rock and roll hair. This is Music Heads from 89.3 The Current. Thanks for dropping by. This is a weekly chat where a couple colleagues and I gather around and have a little fun discussing some of the new music we're playing on the station and to find out if it's working for us. Support comes from the Red Stag Supper Club with late night happy hour and weekly music, lunch, dinner, and late night seven days a week, and brunch on weekends. Focusing on locally farmed and organic ingredients, redstagsupperclub.com. I'm the host of the show. My name's Bill DeVille, and I want to welcome today's guests. Our evening host, Mr. Mark Weed, is here. Hey, great to be here again, Bill. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. And our radio free current and local show host, Mr. David Campbell, too. Hey, gang. What's up? Not much. How are you? doing i'm rocking all right sweet this time on music heads we'll discuss new albums from Haley bonner and Raphael sadiq but first mark it's your choice well first of all i want to say i'm really glad to be here with you guys and all the times i do music heads we always have fun collaborating together and uh my album today is all about collaboration which is an art that i'd love to be able to figure out the mystery of and maybe these guys are going to be a good role model for us all because we're talking about Danger Mouse and Daniel Loopy. And although that might be the first time you've heard Daniel's name, he has been working with Danger Mouse, a.k.a. Brian Burton, for many years now. They actually met back in 2004, 2005, and that's when they started working on this collaboration, which they always called Rome. So it's taken that long to come together. And in the meantime, they've made a name for themselves. Danger Mouse with Niles Barkley and Broken Bells, most specifically. And Daniel worked on both of those records with him, too. Daniel comes from a kind of composer's background. He put together soundtracks in his early career. He is from Italy originally, and he was hugely inspired by the soundtracks made on some of the Italian movies back in the 60s and the 70s, and most specifically Ennio Morricone. And so was Danger Mouse, and when they met... This love of this music kind of brought them together and started this collaboration, and we can talk more about how they put it all together, but let's hear a track from it. Right at the end, the two collaborating vocalists come in as well, Nora Jones and Jack White on Rome, the new collaboration between Danger Mouse and Daniel Lupi. The album is called Rome. It's Danielle Lupi and Danger Mouse. Dave Campbell, is it working for you? This record is working for me, though. It's asking me to listen in a different way than I've been used to listening to soundtrack albums specifically. It's hard to make a soundtrack album when there's a soundtrack to nothing. And there's, there's no, no film. There's yeah. no film. Mm-hmm. And I was unable to shake for the first good portion of time I was spending with this album the mental image of how this would work in the context of a scene. Right. So I was like creating these things, these visual elements mm-hmm. to this piece that is, is really unnecessary. I had to keep reminding myself that this is an album recorded in that style and not necessarily for use in the same way. The reason that it challenges me to listen differently is that it's sort of meandering and very textural and it's not your Saturday night record, right. but it might be your Sunday morning record. Yeah. It's beautiful and there's a lot of great things on here. I especially love the way... Nora Jones' voice was used. My favorite piece was the first version of The World, which was sort of halfway through a little interlude. There's a few different instrumental interludes that are, you know, 30 seconds or a minute long that break different portions of the album up. But I really like the track after that as well, Black. That was by far my favorite piece. Until you travel to that 
thought Nora Jones's voice worked so wonderfully for this stuff. I didn't like Jack's voice as much. I think I would have liked someone with a nice, rich baritone. Mm-hmm. But uh, the contrast of the two was very interesting, and they worked really well together. So I don't, I don't think it's a misstep in any way. It's just a personal preference thing. What about you? What did you think? I really enjoyed this record, and I really enjoyed Jack White's vocal. And uh, <laughs> it's a little bit ragged, but I think that's the whole idea. He's yeah. worn down. He's tired. He's hurting. And uh, I really think that two against one, you can yeah. feel Jack's battle being outnumbered and uh, <laughs> by himself by, by himself. himself make no mistake i don't do anything for free i keep my enemies closer than my mirror ever gets to me and if you think that there is shelter in this attitude where do you feel the warmth of my gratitude i get the feeling that it's two against one already fighting me so what's another one Feel his ache, and I thought he nailed it. Yep. And uh, Nora Jones, yeah, you're right on track number ten. Kind of a nice, sultry, kind of smoky voice. It almost reminded me like of Peggy Lee or something mm-hmm. back to the '60s. Well, that's the thing. Poor Nora. That first record was so big for her that she got labeled like soccer mm-hmm. mom territory. Yes. Right. Yeah. Not that that's a bad thing, but she was. That's it right. was a very accessible album to mm-hmm. everyone, and I think that doing something like this, you can see once again that Nora is just a great vocal talent and yeah. there's mm-hmm. an unlimited capabilities. It's just a matter of partnering her with the right people and working on the right projects and I think we have not in any way seen the last right. of Nora Jones. And that was the most interesting thing when I had a conversation with him because I got to talk to uh, both the guys about the making of the album and the really key surprise to me was that they said they had to wait to write some of the strings and the orchestration and the piano parts until they had the vocalists because who they were and the characters they played, they wanted for that to inspire them as to where the music should go next. So they actually collaborated with them in a real way as vocalists. And it's funny you say it's not a movie, but uh, all of the publicity makes it look like a movie. The website is beautiful and it's done like it's a movie. And Danger Mouse is just like, I like the artwork for movies rather than for music projects, you know, and that's part of his, you know, vision as well. It doesn't really matter that there's not a movie, and there's never going to be a movie. You wonder, though, I mean, some filmmaker somewhere mm-hmm. is going to hear this and say, I'm I think I'm going to do this backwards. <laughs> I do this backwards. The, the soundtrack's made, and let's see if we can develop some sort of movie. Or even just like a long-form music video or something like yeah, that. Well, to, to fit, it would be really cool. Yeah, and they have got a couple of little tiny videos on the website, and I don't know if that will build out. Who knows? You know, the way the web is now, probably fans will just, you know, create their own video for a certain section on the album, and that would be great, too, because that would be a mass collaboration, and that's what these guys are all about. And I think it's also cool that uh, a number of the backing musicians are the people that perform this stuff. Yeah, we haven't 60s. talked about that. They literally got the uh, session musicians that Ennio Morricone used out of retirement. They're like 70 and 80 years old right. and played this live in the studio. And this is not samples. And that's another interesting thing because I think for a lot of our audience, Danger Mouse is like the king of sampling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what they did here is they went back to the source. They recorded it all in Rome with the musicians who did the early soundtrack. So it's going back to the source and all about the feel of time and place. I was going to say, they really nailed that. I want to say Hollywood in the 60s because I don't have exposure to the sounds that were coming out of Italy at that time period. But to me, as I was listening to this, I was like, this is the Wrecking Crew. This is Carol Kay on bass. This is that verbed out electric guitar. I mean, this is what the people that Phil Spector and Brian Wilson were using on the early, mid-1960s pop. It sounds wonderful for this stuff. And like from the rock and roll world, those are really timeless sounds the same way that, you know, a viola or a cello 
might be. I think that those things from our time period will last, those sounds. And, you know, much of it reminds me a little bit of like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, the kind of incidental music. Mm-hmm. That, so it wasn't just all the music made in, in Italy, like you were mentioning, there's the Hollywood end of things too. Right. And nobody does these choral vocals anymore. No, right? wonderful. He said we went on one trip just to do the choral vocals. You know, they were that specific about wanting a certain sound and working in the studio to get it. So it's great that you picked that out. As yeah, well. and the singer, uh, Etta Del Orso, uh-huh. kills it. Yeah. She's probably. 80 years old. Doesn't sound a day over 50 or something. She's all over the album, including the uh, theme from Rome, the very first track. I was such a big fan of The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly, and this is as close as we're going to get to it nowadays, you know? And new music made, and it's not dated at all. I mean, it sounds like a modern piece of music, and I think it's pretty incredible. Mm -hmm. Rome is the name of the album from Danielle Lupe and Danger Mouse. This is Music Heads from 89.3 The Current. Rafael Sadiq has a new album called Stone Roll, and he continues his mission to deliver first-rate old-school soul and R&B. He founded the multi-platinum group Tony, Tony, Tony way back in the day, and he's also produced and collaborated with Joss Stone, D'Angelo, and John Legend, among others. He released The Way I See It back in 2008, which was nominated for three Grammys, featuring guests like Stevie Wonder, Joss Stone, and Jay-Z. Sadiq's an immensely talented individual. He can do it all, sing, write, produce, and perform. Stone Rollin' is grittier and more electric than his predecessor. It's kind of fun to play Spot the Influences when you're listening to this album. I hear elements of Jimi Hendrix, Albert King, Chuck Berry, Howlin' Wolf, Curtis Mayfield, and the psychedelic soul album from The Temptations. The Temps influences all over the song Go to Hell. It's another of the album's highlights, which is full of lush strings and gospel harmonies. So let's check out a track here from Raphael Sadiq's new album. This is called Go to Hell. I'm counting all my blessings as I walk the narrow album is called Stone Rollin'. It's Raphael Sadiq. Mark, is it working for you? Well, I have to say, it's hard always when you're doing these reviews not to be affected by your personal experience. And I haven't mm-hmm. been a great fan of Raphael's work, but when he came in and did an in-studio session for me, he totally won me over as just being a genuine, likable yep. human being. That who, was a really great session. Who cares about yeah. the soul of how music is made. And you got to think that, and I didn't read too deep about the production of this album, but the sounds on this album are just flawless. The production is awesome all the way through. And it just depends on where his focus is if it works for me because I love when he gets a little raucous and a little rock and roll heart attack kicks out the album really good Mm -hmm. and Stone Rollin that we've been playing is a kicking single on the radio but I have to say some of the songs like the one he picked as a single called Radio don't quite work for me they kind of slide over into too cheesy and then just as an album as a piece it seems to slow down mellow out and get a little quiet storm kind of R&B groove for me towards the end and that whole has second ne- half, yeah. yeah that never has worked for me just not a style of music i love or appreciate i know it's again it's produced well but it wouldn't be in a whole album that i'd put on to listen to all the way through i'd just love to pick out a couple of the singles off it 
How about you, Dave? Working for you, man? I really enjoyed this record. This Me is, too. I'm still in shock that the uh, single that I was bouncing around to when I was 12 years old, Tony, Tony, Tony's <laughs> It Feels Good, was... You must have been about 19 or 20 then, huh? <laughs> I know. I mean, this is such a career renaissance. Yeah. Outside of the music on this record, that yeah. is what's so amazing, and that this guy who was mainstream... Like top forty R and B manufactured it was too. It, at everywhere. the time it seemed manufactured. I mean, it didn't yeah. seem to have the soul. It was like someone had put it in a can as pop music. You yeah, know? and since that point, I mean, that's got to be almost you know fifteen twenty years now since that single came out. He's really made a transformation, and the last two records have been really interesting. And it makes me want to even go back and listen to like the Ray Ray record and just see what was going on prior to The Way I See It and Stone Rollin'. This record I really enjoyed. I'm with you. It's a little inconsistent, maybe. I, I wasn't you know, 100% psyched about it the whole way through, but I actually thought some of the second half of the record was as stimulating as some of the more obvious single-oriented material on the first part. My favorite track on the first half of the record was Over You. I thought that was great. see where it's not strictly the Motown sound. There's a lot of like guitar rock yeah. on this record in sort of a retro yeah, way. You can almost say Lenny Kravitz or Terrence Trent Darby in parts of the album. Yeah. There's pieces of that, but mm-hmm. the retro sound is really what he's all about. The first track, Heart Attack, sounds like something that you would have heard at the Watt Stacks show yeah. in uh, Los Angeles. Yeah, when he says you're giving me a heart attack, you really believe him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was really into this record. I really think this is a rock-solid album. I'm with you, Mark, on the fact that it does lose a little energy later on. Like, the answer, track number 10. Mm-hmm. But he's so agile vocally that it kind of makes up for it. I mean, he's a I, gifted singer. He doesn't have the most fantastic voice, but he uses everything he's got. And he's got quite a range, too. I mean, mm-hmm. he's not one of those one-voice kind of people no. that always sounds the same every song. Mm-hmm. And he plays every instrument on this album. I mean, there's other guests. Yeah. But this could have been an album that he made all by himself. Sort of a Stevie Wonder approach. Yeah, mm-hmm. and the, the last album was all about Motown, and this album he seems to be branching out. Like, well, on the song Radio, that's like a total Stax Volt Memphis, Soulsville, USA. Definitely you know? a rave-up, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, one of my other favorite songs on the album was Moving On Down the Line, it just was great grooves and hand claps and just a musical celebration. And that uh, had that kind of Temptations feel all over, mm-hmm. which I thought was quite good. And uh, maybe my favorite song in the album was Daydreams. I'm living on daydreams. Going by me something I can't afford. Oh, living on daydreams. I'm going by me something I can't afford. almost a rollicking blues and I didn't know this guy had the blues in him like yeah this. I was gonna say I thought the blues would attract you too but yeah I think it was the blues and some of the lyrical kind of stereotypes that he was playing with it's really hard when you're writing these songs because you know over you baby kind of has been written a million oh, yeah, times yeah, so yeah. there's mm-hmm. a part of me that he doesn't bring enough freshness to you know the lyrics and the approach of a song to really win me over totally it seems like he kind of relies on the retro nature of his style to kind of get him through saying anything new in the lyrics 
I think he wins you over because it comes through in his voice that it's in his soul and, you know, he's not fronting. Yeah, he's believable through and through. And the critics always kind of rip on this guy a little bit because, well, you're not forward thinking at all. I mean, you're living in this mm-hmm. retro world. Here we are in uh, 2011. But his reply to that, I read an interview with him and he mentions Isaac Hayes once told me that there's no such thing as old school. He said you either went to school or you didn't. I just, <laughs> I just follow great people. If you want to play like a pro, you learn from the pros. It's his response to all that. So he kind of knows where he's at, but he's a big appreciator of the history of music, which I think is kind of cool, too, because a lot of today's pop stars don't know what music sounded like in 2005. There's another word you could use instead of retro. Classic. Classic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and this is kind of a classic album. I hope he keeps on learning (laughs) from, Mm -hmm. from his heroes, and I can't wait to hear what he does next. The new album is called Stone Rollin'. It's Raphael Sadiq, and this is Music Heads from 89.3 The Current. Your turn, Dave. Okay, we're going to talk about the, I believe it's the sixth full-length record from Haley Bonner. Maybe the fifth full-length, it depends if you include the kids' record and the uh, Christmas record in there. <laughs> this is a busy girl. I've been watching Haley since the beginning. I remember going to see her in Duluth as a kid who couldn't drink in the bars that she was playing <laughs> and uh, really being blown away by her performances. She's definitely one of the most promising unsigned artists from our area, especially since she hasn't even reached her 30s yet. Haley's always been a product of the low community. The Duluth sound was a great influence on her, mm-hmm. and I think that was an influence that lasted through those first couple of records, The Size of Planets, Lure of the Fox, even Big Star, more sparse, certainly, than this new record, Golder, which uh, I'm really excited about. She went out to Portland, moved out there, was started working on these songs. A lot of these songs, though, older songs that she's bringing back to record for the first time and actually specifically moved back here to Minnesota to record this record because of the band, the guys that like she's playing Jeremy with. Jeremy Ilvesacker. Jeremy Ilvesacker, Jake yeah. Hansen, Mike Lewis, Luke on the on the drums. These are the guys that she has in her mind that she wants to yeah. make these sounds the, with. The Twin Cities Wrecking Crew. Yeah, the Twin Cities <laughs> Wrecking Crew, absolutely. And that's what works so well on this album, is that it's not just Haley Bonner and a guitar. I mean, the guitar's there, and so is Haley, of course, but there is a whole world of sonic exploration that took place in the recording of this record, done by guys that are really, really gifted musicians. And it's a very exciting record for me to hear from Haley. We're going to listen to a track now, the opening track on the record, which I think is a surefire smash hit. It's called (laughs) Candy Machine Gun. Haley Bonner's new album is called Golder. Mark, is it working for you? Yeah, it is, but obviously with the way David introduced her, it's almost like, uh, can I get away with, you know, giving this a perfect score without sounding like I'm gushing too much? Because (laughs) I am proud of this record, and I think what I heard in David's voice, the same way he is, that this is a quintessential artifact to come out of our scene right here, right now, which can stand up alongside anything that's coming out in the rest of the country, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah, and that makes you. me really proud. You know, she gets dumped in with a lot of female singer-songwriters out there who could sound the same, and she finds a way of making an individualistic album with, I think, a lot of help from the musicians, because like you said, this is a band album. 
I loved it at, I think it's track four, Sad Baby, where it's just a minute and a half of instrumentation. Mm -hmm. And she's playing too, because she loves to play. She loves playing the piano and the guitar. It just sounds like a really confident album. And as an album, I have to say, it maybe went on one or two songs too long structure-wise, but I love other elements where she obviously thought about the segue. The middle of the album is really strong. Silver Zephyrs we're playing on the radio is track five. Great song. And it goes into Daddy, which is probably the most vulnerable song on the record. It's like obviously written from a child's point of view, but has a really adult twist on the lyrics that are really, really subtle that keeps you interested every time it comes on. And then it expands into Money. And then a piano, which I think is one of the highlights too. It's like that was my full favorite. on. Mm -hmm. It just shows the range. The king queen of many things, but not the cuckoo's colored wings that left at me and everything around the land that lay so barren. I still wonder if they're laughing in the dark with folded hands and swollen choreographed speeches. Read the cards and we will teach you how to see through the looking glass and how to fight. She has this great ability to sound fragile at the start and by the end of the song it's almost like a full-blown production. Everything in there but it doesn't, you know, ever get too big. It, it like builds just wonderfully. So yeah, hugely impressed. I'm impressed as well and the main reason being is uh, her music has always been closer to folk music mm -hmm. than I prefer and she really comes out of her shell on this one. Yep. We keep talking about the musicians and all. Everybody sounds great, but vocally, this is an amazing record. Mm -hmm. She kills the vocals throughout this whole thing. I just think the vocals are so strong in this, and she shows many voices. She shows adventure, confidence. Confidence. I wanted to say Candy Machine Gun, for me, is a huge hit, but the fact that it's the first song on the album, and she just comes on basically with her voice going, oh, in a kind of almost spiritual Native American sound right. and chant. Mm -hmm. Like, this is how confident I am in my voice right now. To introduce the album like that was really strong for me. And then I've just realized, actually looking on the cover, that she produced it too. So again, a show of confidence, especially surrounded by these musicians, because these musicians are playing with the best. I mean, Andrew Bird comes into town to play with these guys as well. They're part of his band, and they're going to go out and tour together in the summer, Haley and Andrew. So it just is a perfect example of where a confidence level is. And we can't forget that it was recorded at Pachyderm. It, it might be the last it album. It might be the last yeah, yeah. yeah, major album recorded down there because the studios looks like it's folding up. So in terms of her kind of sense of history, wanting to go down there and use that room and then coming out with a product like this is wonderful timing for us. And there's one thing we haven't even mentioned yet, and she obviously is paying back the Kickstarter people who gave her money for this, and she right. paid them back with a real winner. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> this is a wise investment on their part, is what you're saying? You I, got your I money's worth? So. You got your money's worth. This is the album. If you're a Haley Bonner fan, I think you've always wanted this album from her. I gotta say, you know, in addition to this record being amazing, I went to the release show back uh, on the 22nd of April at the Sear Cultural Center. And she does a show on her birthday every year. It was her 28th birthday. Mm -hmm. And she had all these guys from the record together. In addition, uh, Mike Rosetto from the Spaghetti Western String Company. They had a couple of string players. So at some points in time, there was like 12 people up on stage. And the record is good. I mean, the record is moving. But this will go down this year as possibly my favorite show that I've ever seen. 
both just because of the circumstances surrounding it, but the execution of the material incorporating stuff from her older records, the way that she paced the show. She got up and did Bad For You. She did yeah. that by herself on a piano, That's a an upright song. piano. Then she's moving back to the roads. You know, then she's up front again. Her and Linnea did Wendy Bird, the song which closes the record. That's the moving. one that features like banjos and mandolins. Yeah, and yeah. Those yeah. guys were all there playing all that stuff. It, it was that's so awesome. Like I hope they recorded it, and I wish they would have. <laughs> I mean, they could have put out a DVD. It was that incredible. And this band, she was right to move back here for this band. This is a band that understands how to give her space and mm-hmm. let her be this amazing vocal talent that she is, but also support her and back her in a way that left me speechless. Yeah. That's awesome to hear, because I was worried because she wasn't playing too many shows, although she is on the road pretty much all summer. Mark, one thing I wanted to mention, too, is I remember when we talked about, uh, it might have been two albums ago, and uh, we were talking about her being at kind of a career crossroads. I'm glad you brought that up, because, yeah. you know, and I never got to the story, never got a chance to talk to her specifically, but there was suggestion that she'd had, essentially, the brass ring offered to her, a big record label had come and mm-hmm. wanted to take her. And for one reason or another, she'd kind of turned that down and decided to go this more individualist route, which, again, I think we don't give our local musicians enough credit for because a lot of them do this. They make make it up as they go along. They yeah. haven't had support of, you know, established business entities. And she took that on again. And again, this is, you know, self-released. So I think just being able to manufacture her career and maybe not be too proud to go back waiting tables or whatever she's had to do to survive to get to the point where she can make this album is again a huge credit the album is called golder healy bonner is the artist this is music heads from 89.3 the current now it's time for the portion of the show where we invite you to get involved it's the musical question of the week and here's how it works every week we'll ask a question and you can join in my guest and i will start off and invite you to answer online today's question what summer concert are you looking forward to dave man it, it happened. No! It already happened. I, w- I was so excited to see the cars, and uh, and uh, I went to see the cars, and, you know, it could have been that I was a little bit under the weather or something about just, like, you know, being there in a really crowded room. It was kind of uncomfortable, but I was kind of disappointed in the show. I mean, here's the thing is those guys are, like, mid-60s. Yeah, so Rick Ocasek they, is uh, now 64. He's so. 64. Yeah. And, you know, the drummer hasn't been a musician since the cars broke up 25 years ago. So they didn't pull off the car sound? Because, I mean, again, that's so tight. and It's super tight. I mean, they were incorporating elements of sort of the new electronic sound, straight-up guitar rock. There's a lot of mm-hmm. guitars on mm-hmm. those records. Tons of harmonies. They're missing Ben Orr. Ben Orr was the cornerstone of the vocal sound. But, but, but there's sound. nothing you can do about it when the guy passes No, away. there's nothing you can do about it. But in really a nice homage to Ben, they left a bass rig up on the center of the stage with a oh, bass sweet. guitar in front of it, like paying tribute. But all the bass parts were flowing in. They didn't fly in any extra vocal parts. The background stuff was left up to the guitarist and the keyboard player who couldn't cover the ground. And the drummer looked like he was just hanging on for dear life. So... I'd give it a grade of like a C plus, you know? I mean, it was so awesome to see that band in person, to hear those songs. But 
they needed like another month of rehearsal. They did not look comfortable up there. They looked like they were just a little out of practice. Mm-hmm. And they looked like they could have used some help and some other players to execute that sound. But man, it was a little rough. Well, they were great when I saw them in 1981. <laughs> I saw videos of it. Are you going to let him get away with that as an answer <laughs> to this question? That's totally like not an answer to the question, David. Well, it was. That, that's the <laughs> it's show. It's a nice I, story. That, that's the show I was anticipating I, most this summer. I didn't have to give it to him. I planned for it. I had someone fun to go with. I went out for dinner beforehand. Like, I made a whole night of it. And then the dessert came, and it wasn't what I had ordered. <laughs> Mark, what do you got? I, I have to say. I've got a soft spot for Somerset out in Wisconsin. I love, you know, the outdoor concert experience once in a while, and then in the summer we don't get many days to do it. And I kind of feel that that's the one thing the cities is missing, like a good amphitheater. Yes. So this is the closest we've got, and I did have some good times out there, and I'd like our audience to be able to have a fun time out there. And I think we have a fun time in store for them coming up August 19th and 20th. Because Tavochka, one of those bands that we feel like we kind of adopted early they're playing like uh, one of the biggest headliners in the region that they've played new pornographers did one of our rock the gardens so we kind of feel like we've uh, helped them build their career they've got a great reputation they're playing and you know if we're going to tell stories about old concerts the flaming lips at the minnesota state fair is oh, one of my favorite one. musical yeah. memories ever and so to have those guys back in town at a full-blown festival right in the middle of the summer it's just like it sends shivers up my spine so i'm really jazzed about that yeah i've seen the lips twice since then mark and it hasn't been the same no well <laughs> no because it's time and place and you know uh yeah. who knows but uh again they always they always try and put on a great show so uh, it seems like a good thing to have close to us. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that one, too. And then there's the Dilemma Night of the Summertime. Steve Earle's back with the original Dukes, and uh, they're playing a show at the Pantages on July 23rd, but you know what other concert's that same day? What? You two at the TCF Bay Stadium. Oh, really? The makeup Dilemma, show. The makeup show that was supposed to happen last <laughs> that's summer. That's right. That's right. Good call, man. Yeah, so I, that's my dilemma, and I still don't know what I'm going to do. I got a soft spot for you two. You should go to you two. We'll see how that plays Bono out. Bono is God. You know that, don't you? Mm. <laughs> mm. So, what summer concert are you looking forward to? We want to know. Chime in at thecurrent.org and look for music heads. In this episode, we discussed Haley Bonner's new Golder album, The Way I Feel, the Raphael Sadiq effort, and Danger Mouse and Danielle Lupe, the new album is called Roma. I want to thank Mark and David for joining me today for Music Heads. That was a huge collaboration, gentlemen. Thanks, Thanks for having me. It's a wrap. Thanks for checking it out. You can subscribe to the podcast of the show by clicking on Music Heads when you go to thecurrent.org. Program was produced and edited by Scott Adamson. Yours truly is the executive producer. Peter Valley and Brett Baldwin are the podcast production coordinators. Julia Schrankler manages our show's online discussion, which you can join. Go to thecurrent.org and look for Music Heads, then follow the links to join the discussion. Thanks to members of Minnesota Public Radio who make shows like this one possible. I'm Bill DeVille from 89.3 The Current, part of Minnesota Public Radio. Music Heads, is it working for you?